Did you just, you just edited me off. Okay. No, no, no. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) All right. All right. Welcome to Scatterbrand Podcast, episode 102. 102. We talked about last week how binary last week would have been five. What is this, five plus one? Are we now like at episode six? I have no idea. All right, 102. La, la, la. We're good. So what's up, man? How's it going? How you been this week? Uh, Been okay, except now the Buick died. But other than that... Yeah, I have it in my notes to ask you about the car, but then I didn't want to ask you about the car. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It's in the shop, so. When you get it back? Well, hopefully I hear, hear something tomorrow. I don't know even what I have to have done, so so who knows? Yeah, that sucks. I hate car car problems, plumbing problems. Those are like the worst ones. They're high-stress situations. Oh, it just sucks that, yeah, I'm just stuck no matter what now, so. Well, in honor of you, I'm doing a shot of Crown Royal Reserve. Here we go. Oh, I got to do that too here. Something to perk me up. Let's see. Yeah, why not? Uh, Sure, why not? Here we go. All right. But dude, I got a parking ticket at work the other day. I was so pissed. For what? Parking in the disabled spot again? (laughs) Right. No, man. In this area where they park, or where we park, you know, front on the street, they don't usually patrol. So... It's a good chance that you don't have to pay, but I pay because I don't want to deal with what I'm dealing with now, which is some stupid ticket. But last week on, I guess that was Thursday, I was there at the office taking care of some stuff, needed to stop in, threw some money in, set an alarm on my phone, went in, did my stuff, kind of last track of time and my alarm goes off. No problem. They never enforce it here. Let me finish this email I'm doing. Shut the laptop down, pack up, and I'll get out of here. I was greeted by a ticket. $37.50. I should have thrown in another goddamn dime. What was the ticket for? $37.50. I came out. I missed it by like four minutes, dude. Oh, the meter. Yeah, for the meter. Damn. Sticklers. No kidding. That sucks. That really yeah. sucks. Yeah, I was pissed. I was pretty pissed. Although the positive side of that is I looked, I opened it, and it said $62.50. I was like, man, those motherfuckers, right? I was pissed off. Uh-huh. And then I got home and I guess it's all perspective because I realized, oh, that's only if you pay after the certain date. Right. So now it's only $37.50. So I was actually pleased, I guess, in that regard. Huh. So, yeah, it was kind of like when all our music gear got stolen. Oh, God. And then I realized one night as I was laying in bed that I had brought one of the guitars home so I could play at home. And even though all our other stuff was stolen, I had a guitar. I had a guitar. So I was happy. Yeah. And for some reason, I grabbed my BC Rich and the laptop that had all the music. I don't know why I even grabbed that stuff. I was just like, ah, I think I should take this. So that got saved. So yeah, I'm lucky I stole my BC Rich. Yeah. This, fuck thieves, man. Fuck thieves. Yeah, yeah. In honor of fuck thieves, here we go. All right, shot time, shot time. Wait, oh yeah, okay. Goodness, we should just have we should just have a oh, episode of just oh, us oh. drinking. <laughs> oh, it's a good shot. Oh. What are you drinking? 
uh, crown roll. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why is it, why is it painful? Because uh, I haven't really started drinking yet. Let's see. I'm going to do another one, though. Uh, okay. Uh, washing it down. Uh, washing it down with some Rasputin. Oh, there you go. Now, before we get started, while you're doing that, I guess, uh, I want to say that I'm pretty stoked for that those tickets we got to the Bay Area Strikes Back tour in April. Going to see Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel. Oh, yeah. That's That'd be right. awesome. And we got tickets ahead of time, so no scalpers for you. Right. And what? Oh, April 12th, right? Yeah, it's April 12th at House of Blues, I think. So it'll be right after we get back from Colorado. Perfect. Yeah. Instead of your, yeah, you're doing that at this time instead of your Halloween or Halloween, a holiday trip, right? Uh, yeah, this is like my Christmas trip. So, yeah. <clears throat> oh, God. <sighs> Jesus, okay. dude. Sorry. Well, Andrew from Metal Assault is going to be working the merch booth for Death Angel. I don't know if you saw that. It's going to be doing all the SoCal dates. That's cool. thought that was pretty cool for him. Apparently, he's he's a huge fan of them. So it's got to be awesome. Yeah. We'll see him there. So that'll be cool to say hey. Very cool. How did he get that gig? Um, I saw something on his Instagram. He d- details it all out. But essentially, you know, Metal Assault started as like a rock and metal blog before yeah. he started doing the record label and such and uh-huh. i guess he's interviewed them and, and he did a lot of touring you know to write these blogs and stuff and i guess he knows someone there and i thought if i understood correctly they asked him to uh work at the merch booth for the five or six shows that are in california so that's kind of cool fuck yeah that's really cool excellent one thing i realized is that i don't think i mean i've seen exodus with you at least two or three times right no once no, that's not true. No, I have only seen Exodus once in my life. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, for you too, then it'll, it'll be it'll be safe to say then that it'll be great to see Exodus with Gary Holt. Because I don't think I've ever seen him with Holt. It's always just been with whoever they had in, in place. That's quite the lineup. Oh, hell yeah, man. Is Testament the headliner? I would think that exodus would be actually i would think yeah Let's look it up really quick because you would think that as well they've been around longer i mean they're like one of the original they are the original really kind of thrash band in the bay area so i think they've been around longer than everyone i think i know death angels the youngest so no oh, it looks like testament is headlining they're right at the top really well, good for them. I think that's what it should. I think that's what it should be. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have more fans than Exodus. I mean, pretty sure. Testament's awesome, dude. I love seeing Chuck Billy when he has that little short little microphone stick, and he's air guitaring and stuff. He's pretty fun. Every every time I've seen them, they play fucking great live, like perfect. Uh, yeah, I won't say it sounds just like the album, but they they play just like the album. Like it depends yeah. on uh, depends on their sound that night and everything, but they they play pretty much perfect. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, well, Alec Alex Skolnick is a killer guitarist, and all oh, the yeah. other guys are crazy okay. well. But he's he does all kinds of stuff, man. He does he's one of the classical. Elites. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. So I'm stoked we're gonna see that. The last time we saw Death Angel was at Brick. By brick with uh your buddy used to work with i used to play hockey with uh-huh uh-huh and that was a hell of a show that was the last night of their tour right i wonder if he's gone this time 
Well, I messaged him and said, hey, da 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 da. Apparently, link. apparently you're a gentleman and I am and I'm not. <laughs> well, regular listeners will know that Ian is not a gentleman. Uh, oh God. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> I, I just texted him and, and asked him, you know, I just said Death Angel. I said the date and everything. I and, and that I hope you still have testicles. And um he texted back that Dan invited me in a much more formal and polite manner. A true gentleman, you, you might I say. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you sent me the screenshot, actually. Because I, I was laughing my ass off. And I, and I said, oh, you mean like a generic family man? I can see that. No response. Got no response. So <laughs> maybe I don't have a friend anymore. I don't know. It's okay. You got me, Ian. You yeah, got okay, me. Right, but... yeah, and before that, I guess we saw them was at uh, the... Um... Anthrax show, right? That was House of Blues, was it? Yeah, it was House of Blues. Testament and Anthrax? No, no. For, where, where, where did we see Testament? No, 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 no. no. Or no, you Anthrax, mean... rather. Uh, Death Angel and Anthrax. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Death was Angel that, and Anthrax. Was that House of Blues? Yeah, that was House of Blues. And then we saw them at Brick by Brick. Yeah. Man, they were they were killer both times, for sure. But I think I, think I really... Maybe it was because of the scarcity of the songs, because they only played a few. I liked them better at the anthrax show well they played the new stuff at the anthrax show and they didn't they played one single new song or newer song at that one we saw at brick by brick i was bummed out i wanted to hear some of the brand new stuff at the time was from um uh evil divide was it uh was it the yeah. one yeah yeah before that no was it, was, that the... it was that album it was that album but yeah. i was hoping to hear some from from that album and from uh from Relentless Retribution. They, they played like nothing but just old, old songs, you know, from their first few albums. I was a little bit bummed about that. I'm sure there are people that were happy for that though as well. So it's hard to please everyone, you know? I suppose. But they could have played at least a couple newer songs. They didn't play anything from their newer albums. It was weird. So I hope they do that this time. Maybe get tired of it. They've been doing it. It was the end of the tour. I think when we saw them at Brick by Brick, it was the last night of the show, of the tour. Right. So maybe they were just tired of playing it and changed up the set list because... I don't think that's, I think when you have a set list for a tour, you have the set list for the tour, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. I've seen people unless they're, unless they're bullshitting. I mean, I've had, I've seen plenty of shows where they're saying, Oh, let's play this one. They'll talk for a second and they go, let's play this one. You know? Oh, who knows? oh I think that's part of the act, but who knows? But yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun seeing all three of those bands. Now who all is on the lineup again? It's death angel testament Exodus and who? I believe that's it. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, it will be. So I'm excited we're going. That'll be awesome. And where exactly is it going to be again? Uh, that's a good question. I think House of Blues also. Oh, okay. I hope we can. I go, hope we get the spot up top. I like being up in the balcony area. I like that part. Uh, yeah, to pay one fifty for that ticket. God damn it! Oh well. We we did that was actually what we did for that Anthrax show we talked about. And that was really that was really nice. It was so comfortable. And I think for the Motorhead show we did that too because we were up top on the Motorhead show. So no, the Motorhead show. Yeah, I, I think we, we just found ourselves there. Oh, did we? That's right. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that was the last time I saw Motorhead. Very sad. Oh well. Miss you, Lemmy. <laughs> Insert crying here. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so have you have you heard of? Uh, have you heard the Blood Incantation album? By the way, did you get a chance to listen to it? I know I texted you this morning about it. Yeah. Yeah, I 
<laughs> I like that response. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not so, I'm not really confused. I mean, I can see why they would do something like that, but to have it just that, the entire album, just that ambient sound, it's just, it's like a monkey can plug in a synthesizer and just fucking, I don't know, man. After their last album, that was just so like underwhelming. <laughs> it really upset me kind of. It was like, oh, well, now my bad mood's even worse. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> well, human history uh that was a i think that's what it's called right human history or something like that the last album was killer i was a little little confused as to why they would release something like this under the blood incantation brand so i started reading a little bit and i found an article where they were talking about how that was at the beginning that was their plan from the beginning they were talking about it from the beginning right that's like their plan for the first three albums or whatever right but to have one their third album be nothing but a long intro basically just sucked, man. I didn't like it. I, I think uh I don't know, I had I had a probably a similar response as you, at least initially. I knew going into it. We're I'm talking about the Time Wave Zero by Blood Incantation, released February 25th, 2022, eight tracks, 40 minutes, 38 seconds. Uh-huh. I think that I knew going in what to expect, which was ambient. It wasn't like I was taken aback. And I think I had messaged you a week or so ago that said like, oh, what about this? Let's listen to this. And then, or you were said, you suggested it. I think like, oh, let's just do it good or bad. And I told you, I did not want to listen to it. I think I, that's what I said. I said, dude, I don't want to listen to this thing at all. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, again, I was confused. It seemed almost like one or two of the guys did it. And I can't imagine that it was the whole band performing this. I think it was, I think it was just two of them, which I mean, the time wave zero thing, we talked about time wave zero in our episode 60 of scatterbrain podcast with, uh, on the, the psychedelics and the Terrence McKenna episode. Right. It's a cool idea. And, and I know that those guys that specifically the guys in blood incantation, they sort of, they don't see what they're talking about as like a sci-fi they're talking about it as the reality, right. And that sort of psychedelic kind of way. Okay, so anybody who's anybody who's confused right now, that was a theory by Terrence McKenna. Time wave zero, Terrence yep. McKenna theory, talking about this strange calculation that he could plot out on a on a graph, talking about novelty theory, or specifically the amount of novelty meaning new technology. So you know, to give a quick summary, like if a time where we feel like there were there was very little intellectual growth, such as the dark ages, this this plot on this graph happened to coincide with a very low point on that XY coordinates of this chart. And then of course, during the Renaissance and things, that graph point would be very high up. And I think it was uh, December 12th, 2021, the same day as the end of the Mayan calendar, this thing went to, went to, oh yeah, what did I say? 21, 24. And that went down to zero. The zero mm-hmm. period, which is why they call it time wave zero. That was when the calendar ended. Some people thought it was going to be the end of the world. And there were many other theories there, but that's what the name harkens to. And that was the year that blood incantation formed. Interesting. I didn't know that. So that's kind of like a little part of it, but like an the, Easter egg, I guess. Right. It's the big crunch, right? That's basically what time wave zero is the big crunch kind of 
um yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't get it dude i don't know uh intermixing it with with the music that they actually play it's like here's my analogy you don't have you don't have like a brain surgeon come to your house and do your plumbing right you don't do that i mean it's not like having a plumber come to you know come to do your brain surgery i'm talking about having someone who knows what they're doing come to do something like plumbing which is it's its, its own specialty in its own right but why are they doing this when they are a thrash and a, or a death metal band? I don't get that. Why are they doing that? It's like, you, you know what you're good at. You've got, you've garnered an audience. You've got a following now based on what you were doing right and doing well. And then to, like I said, to do an album that is basically one long intro for someone who wants to hear some blood incantation is a little frustrating. Yeah, I could see that. Now it was interesting because as I, as I listened to it, I did listen to it twice not in its entirety both times, but I listened to it twice in good chunks. And it kind of lines up with a quote that I had read in this one article I found with some of the guys about this particular album. And to me, it sounded like a movie score, a horror or a sci-fi movie score, which that's cool. Okay. But it's not death metal. Yeah. But that's, I, I don't think they're they're going with falling into that classification as a death metal band. But then they shouldn't have used that name. Yeah, well, this quote that from uh, Isaac Falk, the drummer, uh, he said that they considered starting a new project to release the ambient record, like as a separate project. But in the end, quote, we decided not to limit what Blood Incantation could do. End quote. They see the album as the end of their first chapter of the band. And uh, add on a quote from Paul Riedel, their vocalist, the frontman, and the guitarist says, now we've proven we can do both metal and ambient. We're totally free to just be blood incantation. Ugh. He continues to say, we could play a death metal show with Morbid Angel and we could score a movie. Yes, so they're just uh-huh. being creative, I guess. But it, it, is, it is off-putting in a way when you want to come in, oh, the new blood incantation, and you don't know when you hear that. That could see why that would throw someone for a loop. It threw me for a loop. Yeah, but... It- I I've listened to it's not like I hate ambient music or something. I listen to it now and then, you know, but there are really good outfits out there who do ambient stuff album after album and they and they do it. They do it well. They do it in a way that's really interesting, you know, sure. and, and this just wasn't that interesting to me. There's just not it's just like droning on and you'll get a, a couple little changes in there where it just kind of slightly changes the tone or you know, but it doesn't really, I mean, there's a little bit of guitar in there, but it's, it's really subtle, but it's just, it just drones. It's not even, I'm sorry, but I don't even think it's really good ambient music or sound or whatever. And now granted, I, granted, I only listened to it once and about three fourths of the way in, I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to turn it off because it was just putting me to sleep. So. Well, that was my response. Essentially the first time I listened to it, I was in the car and I threw it on and it was kind of like, oh, I get it. But yeah, as you said, you know, there's other bands out there that are better at ambient space time continuum is one that comes to mind and just a different, different thing. Now, my daughter was in the car when I played it. My daughter and one of my other, my sons was in the car when I put it on and they kind of like, oh, this is kind of relaxing and whatever. So I put it on last night at bedtime just to see what they thought of it. And the middle didn't like it, but my daughter loved it. She thought it was really relaxing. And 
as I was laying there in the darkness, I could see be it being that way because it just drones and it puts you out just like white noise. Not it's not white noise, but just like white noise would, you know. It's definitely relaxing, but when you put on something where you don't want to just go to sleep, you know, and you, you get that, it's like what? Uh, not to mention the fact. Here's the thing, Reichel, you know, the guitar player, singer, he has his own. I mean, he releases solo albums under his name that are all ambient. Why would you? I don't, I don't get it. You're like, I don't know. Why not just do it under your own name? Especially if you're like one of only the two of them who are doing this. Yeah. It just doesn't, I mean, I can say, I get it. I get what they're doing. They're being creative and being different. And it's part of their big plan from the beginning, whatever. Well, congratulations. Now next week, can you please put out an album that I really want to listen to? Just melt, melt my face off, please. Yeah. Don't wait another three fucking years to put out a blood incantation, <laughs> album, which is what they're probably going to do. It's like, okay, you just wasted time is what you did. I mean, maybe I'm being closed-minded, you know, and I did read a couple of reviews. They weren't that great, by the way, you know, but a lot of more like, you know, having an open mind, this and that. And it's like, okay, I understand the whole open mind thing. I listen to all kinds of music. I listen to ambient shit as well, but that's not what I'm going for when I put in blood incantation or want to hear blood incantation. It's like, do, do what you're fucking good at. And you already know you do ambient shit anyway on your side project as your solo project. Why did you do this? It's just, it's frustrating. It's annoying. You know, congratulations. You did it, but it's annoying guys. Well, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's because they wanted to. To annoy the fuck out of me. Okay. Yeah. Specifically you, Ian. I know. I know. The world does revolve around me, right? (laughs) Of course it does. No, but they have to have known that a lot of their diehard fans are going to be, I mean, even the ones who are expecting this are going to be like, what really, you know, like it just, they didn't even make it that interesting in my opinion if it was amb- if it was ambient music that was really interesting and they had a lot of different changes a lot of different sounds and multimedia and this and that and you know just changed it up all over the place a little stop here with a little classical interlude or just do all kinds of shit to make it ambient but to just have it drone like one note for seven minutes is like what the fuck so yeah it annoyed me it frustrated me yeah i could i could relate with that and i could see that now, it's not too surprising, though, because how did they write the last album? It was on a bunch of mushrooms, right? Right. So, so I mean, this just ties into that and it lets them be that them. And this is one of the it kind of ties into one of the things that's tough about doing reviews in a way, which is it's people's creative output. Sure. But when you do reviews, you're allowed to say what you like and what you don't like. You don't have to shit all over it. Absolutely. But but. You know, everyone just everyone has a response to people's art, whether it's good or bad. And that's okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now that I know what this is and what it's going to sound like, one of these nights when I want to get nice and relaxed right before I go to bed, I'll put it on and I'll fall asleep nice and fast and it'll be perfect. So, you know, I'm not like shitting on them for doing this. I'm shitting on them for doing this under the name Blood Incantation. Yeah. And, and that's that's totally you're right. I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's hard again when you're reviewing someone's art. Some, you know, there's what was the one thing? Piss Christ. It was this jar that some dude pissed in and hung in like a crucifix. And it was controversial because of the imagery and so on and so on. But I thought it was stupid. I didn't think it was particularly good or whatever to me. It seemed it seemed like it was going for the shock value, just like Guarwood. So to me, it wasn't engaging to me, but I'm not, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that art is art and it hits you or it doesn't, you know, everybody's idea of art is different. So 
Exactly. Because what you just described to me doesn't sound like art. It just sounds like some idiot putting sounds something stupid. up for shock value. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. Now you're just annoyed and irritated and disgusted a bunch of people. You created art, I guess. You know, why not make a nice painting or do, or do something that's actually creative instead of pissing in a jar, you fucking weirdo. Anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's, again, that, that response that people have is part of the art. And I'm sure that was the intended result. I mean, who knows what people's thought process is, right? He wanted people to get pissed, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, it's like what what would happen if violence put out an album like you know of nothing but ambient sounds. Right? <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would like bash my head against the wall and go, I, "I give up. I give up. Nothing makes any sense anymore." Anya puts out an album of thrash metal. You know. Yeah, just like extreme grindcore. Yeah, yeah. Alanis Morissette's new extreme grindcore album, right? That I'd just be like, okay, nothing makes sense anymore. And that would be actually kind of cool, right? I I might actually listen to that. Anyway, yeah, so Violence's new uh, EP is out, came out just a couple days ago, two days ago. Cool. Let's talk about it. So, Ian, regular users will know that you were very active in the thrash metal scene back in the 90s here in San Diego. Uh, 80s and 90s. 80s. I'm sorry. You're dating yourself. I've been listening to I've been listening to that shit since the the week the Metallica you know Kill 'Em All came out and you know as soon as Slayer came out I had I was right on top of that got the Anthrax tape in Colorado when I was visiting my dad the week it came out yeah I've been here I've been here since the beginning man I'm ancient yeah that's that's actually an interesting thing because it's a whole bit a whole musical movement I know we've talked about it before so we don't have to get into it but the, just as if you think of hard rock going from Things like Hendrix or even in some ways like the Beatles during certain, er- you know, certain songs and things, just pushing that edge, trying to get it grittier and harder. The White Album. White Album. Absolutely. Yep. It's more of a lifestyle, I think. For sure. And that's why that's part of, I think, why metal people can relate. You can walk like we've talked about before. You can meet someone. You can realize they got a metal shirt on or you see them at a show and you like the shirt, whatever it is. And you instantly have that that connection. Right. Now, some people, not you, of course, but some people, such as myself and Shakal from Mofu know, think that you look like Sean Killian. <laughs> I know you don't see it, dude, but I do. And so does so does Rodrigo. <laughs> His last name is Kill Ian, so oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. And Sean is actually the same name as Ian in like Scottish or something. Sean and Ian are the same name. Same with John. John and Sean and Ian, all the same name. I could see John and Sean or, but how, how about, how is Ian in there? I don't know, but it's all considered the same name somehow. According to my mom, I believe her. Moms don't lie to you, right? Do they? Yeah. Well, if you pick someone's name too, usually people tend to kind of know, learn about it or. Uh, well, she read James Bond novels and liked that name. So that's the reason she named me Ian, Ian Fleming. So there's so it wasn't after the, Lemmy in his middle name. No, actually, that is Ian. That is Lemmy's name is Ian. Right. That's why I asked you. You said middle name. Oh, I thought it was his middle name. I thought his middle name was was Ian. No, his name is Ian. Ian Kilmister. Oh, OK. I don't know. What I, his, I don't know if he even had a middle name. I don't think he did. Who knows? Huh. I'm sure someone out there knows, but. Yeah, Lemmy, they, um, his bandmates in Hawkwind call him Lemmy because he was always saying, Lemmy a dollar. <laughs> well, that's like you two. Just kidding. What? 
Anyway, but, um, yeah, edit, whatever, edit, edit, whatever, whatever. No, you don't have to. I'm kidding. It's fine. It's fine. So today we're talking about Let the World Burn, the latest EP from Violence, released March 4th, 2022, five tracks, 24 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, Ian, these dudes are a long, long time favorite of yours. So why don't you give the rundown of this band, where they're from and all that good stuff? Well, they're from the Bay Area, but I'm just going to I'm not going to say who the people are. You guys know who they are if you like violence. But I'm just going to start by saying, holy shit. I never thought I would see the day where I would be hearing a new violence album or some new violence tunes. And although it's been 32 years since their last release of anything of any importance, and I'm talking about Oppressing the Masses from 1990. Um, the album that they recorded in 1993, Nothing to Gain, uh, that was shelved and not heard for many years. It was shelved for many reasons. Um, it's basically a piece of crap and shouldn't be even considered part of their back catalog, in my opinion. But this five-song EP delivers exactly what any self-respecting violence fan would expect from them. For sure. It, so- it's, it sounds like violence, right? It's, it's violence. Oh, yeah. Uh, even in their advanced ages. And to me, this is a this is a statement to all the up and comers, all the millennial thrashers out there, all the great new bands of this new wave of thrash metal that we've heard. Um, and the statement is this: Your grandpa kicks your ass at thrash metal. <laughs> this is precisely the sound that I love. This is precisely the energy and attitude that I love in metal. Uh, this is the kind of songwriting that gets my blood pumping and makes me want more. Just like fuck yeah, you know. Now I was expecting them to put a full album out about this time. Yeah, uh, you know it's. They back in 2020 they released a cover of the Dead Kennedys California Uberales, which I did not like. I didn't like it either. No, they could have picked, they could have picked a better song for one thing. Yeah, sure they could have, and but you know maybe maybe it was a way of them getting back in and they're playing and they're in the studio again, meeting up a couple times a week and just hey, what do we want to play? Let's play this, you know, and maybe sticking they had their, fun sticking with their it. toe back in the pool is what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, these guys are old school though. They formed in '85, which is Yep. Pretty far back for some people. I mean, my wife was born in 85. Oh, wow. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. I am old. Okay. I was yeah, you are old. I was listening to thrash metal uh, when she wasn't even born yet. Okay. Um, now, like I said, I was expecting the full album to come out about this time, but uh, they stated that they were releasing another EP at the end of 2022 at the, at the earliest. So I guess they just didn't want to wait another full year to release this as like a full album. I was going to bring, bring this up later, actually. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine with me that they cut it in two, though, because I wanted to hear some new shit. So that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm wonder, I was going to say, you know, they, they released. I mean, there's five songs on this thing. They, they released two. I think it was like three singles, actually. Two. Off of two. EP. It was, it was two. two. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'd heard them. And so there wasn't much new. And I was kind of a little like, eh, it was a little more. I didn't know it was going to be an EP. Maybe someone that follows knew it was. I didn't know either because I mean, everything I read was that they're going to do they're going to release a new album so so I was going to ask you why you thought that was but perhaps it's because they're starting to tour again and they wanted to have something out there new to tour right it's hard to come back and be like hey we're touring and now you you're going to expect all this old stuff and we want to get back in and play some new things what I read is they're in the studio a lot um, working out new songs and they will have songs like ready to go and then they'll decide it's not strong enough and throw it out or they'll have riffs or they'll have pieces of songs or they'll find stuff that they like and then they'll work on it and then decide it's not strong enough and throw it out. So they're like they're like trash canning a lot of stuff and just putting together what they think are the strongest songs and it's taking them a lot longer. And then plus that little hiccup when Sean Killian got COVID a while back kind of threw them back a little bit and then, you know, one thing after another. And so they have these five songs that they have ready to go and they just put them out. 
Okay. Yeah. And then they want to tour. They want to have it to tour with. They can come up and they can play a set and they can throw all five of these songs in there, play something new, sell people something will know, new. Yeah. And people will yeah. know the songs. Yeah, exactly. Now to me, this is, this is 24 minutes of finely crafted thrash classics, dude. I can't wait for more of this shit. And I've been listening to the first and last songs off the EP, like you're saying for the last like month or more. And I don't know, dude, everything in between just brings it all together and makes those two songs even better for me. I love what it. What are some of your favorites? I mean, I definitely, I think let the world burn the title track, the last one, it might be my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah it is. But, the, but track three upon their cross and track four Gato Negro. Those are killer songs too. They're all killer, dude. But those stood out to me. Those stood out. Yeah. There's just, it doesn't really flag at all. Uh, upon their cross kind of, kind of slows it down a bit. Not like as a slow song or it's not like mellow or anything, but it changes the tempo dramatically right in the middle. And it's a little bit of a longer song, I believe. And it's got some cool riffs in there, dude. And then it goes right back to fast again. The last two songs are nice and fast all over again. So it, it, they split it up pretty nicely. The, the way they arrange the songs are pretty cool. So yeah, it goes pretty quick. Now to me, dude, Sean Killian still sounds like Sean Killian. He sounds aggressive, pissed off and in your face, right? And it's like a happy sort of pissed off attitude that like grabs you by the throat and screams thrash with me, you fucker. And I love that shit, dude. And admittedly, Perry Strickland uh, is who I've kind of based my own style of drumming on because when I've used, since I've used his technique, I've been able to play faster with less effort. Uh, he has a, u- a unique style and he's really an underrated drummer, dude, I think. Um, Phil Demmel still shreds on guitar. He's one of the original. Oh, yeah, dude. dude, he's fucking good. And him leaving Machine Head, which is what, you know, he was with um, Rob Flynn, the original. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was going to mention that I'd totally forgotten that Rob Flynn was in violence. He was one of the original guys. Yeah. And then he's then he he started Machine Head and then Phil Demmel jumped on board and joined him in Machine Head. And they've been doing that forever since violence. Isn't it funny how that whole Bay Area thing is all intertwined? It's interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think him leaving. I think him leaving Machine Head is one of the best things that's happened to Thrash in a long time. Actually, <laughs> I know it sounds you kind know, of Machine Head kind of. They lost me in like the 80s, or I'm sorry, in the 90s when they started doing that, like, uh, it's more like electronic stuff. Everyone did that in the mid 90s, dude. They're trying to, they're trying to jump on board with the whole like grunge thing and being different. And like even Creator did that. And it just got kind of ridiculous. Um, only one band that I can think of didn't do that. And that was over. Fucking Thank Slayer. You. Oh, and Fucking Slayer. Slayer. Didn't Slayer do that too, though, a little bit? No, they changed the sound up. They they did a couple songs or yeah, a couple albums with it with a couple songs that kind of had more of that like bouncy feel to it. Yeah, overkill. But they didn't. Overkill never sounded different ever. Yeah, well, yeah, and Slayer, Slayer and Slayer and Motorhead. Well, yeah, and Motorhead actually. Rest in peace, Lemmy. Anyway, uh, yeah, Sean Killian, Phil Demmel. Uh, now the addition of Bobby Gustafson from Overkill on second guitar. I, I found that kind of interesting, but upon hearing these songs, it not only works, but I think it makes violence better, dude. It sounded great. I can hear the old overkill, like from the 80s, quote unquote, riffing when it's his turn to, to do a solo part. I, mean, I can hear it big time because I'm an old overkill fan. And I find myself listening to the, the second guitar when Phil Demmel's doing his leads. I find myself like listening to the rhythms in the background because Bob, Bobby Gustafson's rhythms are like, they're really unique. They're really simple. I think they're awesome, right? He isn't quite the slick and polished player that Phil is, I don't think. But he, I think he makes up for it with a unique style that I find addictive. He does like hammer-ons and stops, scratches, squeals, odd little tricks here and there at random weird places. 
that for me anyway, make him stand out as a very different and creative guitar player among his peers. You know, he's the guy who in the original Overkill albums, like all of the music would suddenly stop and you'd hear just the guitar going and then it'd come back in. You know, like you just scratch on a little bit or do just some weird little squeak or something, a squeal and the most odd random part. And I love that part of the old original Overkill sound. And you can hear it in this too. If you, if, if you really know who's doing the leads when, you feel Dremel's just Phil Dremel's just jamming, dude, just all over the fretboard and slick and, and polished. And then that that kind of scratchy offbeat sort of fucking uh, lead comes in. And I know immediately that, that's Bobby Gustafson. And I think it fucking works, dude. It makes him better, I think. And I hear it. I can totally hear it. Yeah, he's just fucking he's just I, I guess I didn't really appreciate how good he actually was until I reheard some of those old leads that I, I got used to in the 80s with Overkill um yeah he's fucking good dude he's really good uh having that original overkill sound kind of flying under the radar for me just makes them better as a band i think um i hope he doesn't do just a one-off with violence because i think he belongs here you know what i mean hey man you got a different perspective on it than me i don't have the history that you do with with these bands in that way but i i agree with that it just it clicks this is a good in good incarnation of it yeah doing seeing the things like the california uber all is like that cover i was like yeah this is not very good yeah but this is great like i said it's great thrash straight up thrash it sounds like violence sean killian's vocals sound just like they did 30 years ago you know what i mean they do they really do yeah um now i'll be honest i don't really know a whole lot about the bass player from from fear factory i guess so i'll just stop right there to say that the bass playing on this ep is solid and it's kind of stays right in line with the way it sounded previously so um do you have you ever listened to fear factory i think i owned one of their oh, albums yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, you know i had one of their albums going up yeah i'm not a huge fan because the clean i'm not a huge clean vocal kind of guy but their first two albums i really liked their first one i really liked a lot but i know there was drama with dino and a bunch of other stuff i don't i don't know anything about but yeah fear factory is cool well it sounds like a fucking pretty good bass player so i guess they, they picked the right lineup here dude this is good shit i think now uh, we've both been given only kind of two full days to listen to this for the review uh, but i'll just say that i've listened to this over and over and over and over in the last two days and i can't get enough of it well it's nice and short you blast through it a couple times in a day and admittedly this is one of those that i'll listen to it's 25 minutes so it comes quick i'm like yeah i'll listen to it again same here yep totally now, dude, it's all I can do to not give this a 9.5 out of 10. But I, ha wow. I, I have to think clearly in the midst of my green thrash fog and, and be reasonable and realistic here. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, a strong 9 out of 10, dude. And I can't wait for I can't wait for more of this shit, dude. I can't. Oh, nice. That's very good. That's a good rating. Um, it's higher than mine. I think I would give it an 8. And that's because I have to have the whole experience. And the whole experience is that I already heard half of it. So in little chunks, you know what I mean? So you're so you're saying you like Schizophrenia's album last week more than this album. Didn't I rate Schizophrenia an eight an eight as well? Or did I rate it an eight point five? Eight point five. Yeah, I do. Okay, I do actually. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. And maybe like I said, maybe it's just the whole experience, right? I hadn't heard that schizophrenia stuff, whereas I had heard two of these tracks already. So not, not that they're bad, they're great tracks, but I'd already heard it. So I didn't have that same, I don't know novelty to it i guess but this is good good as hell i mean if if I hard pressed i could even give it an 8.5 i mean it's, it's very good but i'll give it an eight because that's what i wrote down okay very very good yep 
Uh, my favorite song is the title song. I think the weakest part is the fact it's only five songs. And my biggest question for me personally is, can an EP already be in line for album of the year? Hmm. It's you. This is, again, we were just talking about interpretation of art. This is you. It's your response. But it's considered an EP, not an album. Album of the so year. What? Not EP of the year. I'm thinking maybe we need a new category in there as well. EP of the year. Hmm. I can barely keep track of what we're oh, I'm thinking to myself maybe maybe EP of the year is another category we need to have hmm. so we could have the top level and then have EP only EP of the year and album of the year that kind of thing hmm. now what happens though if we only rate two EPs well we're still going to have one that's better than the other right I guess yeah you're right and if there's only one EP we rate that that, that we review that year then that's the winner de facto by default that's not very exciting <laughs> Like, well, we did like three or four last year, I think. Um, no, yeah. No, we've done four total, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. So maybe that's not the way to go. But maybe when they, if they come out with it before the end of this year, we can cram them both together and call it an album. And get the average of the two. So this one's really good. And the next one's all ambient. So we rated a one. And oh, then it's Jesus down. Christ. <laughs> God, imagine violence doing an ambient or like, or any other thrash band putting out an ambient album. Oh my God. There'd be riots in the streets for those fans, but whatever art is art. It's what you make of it. I guess That's it. What you I make wonder, of it. I wonder how many truly hardcore blood incantation fans out there going back to that are truly pleased with that though. I don't know. I mean, cause I could see both sides of it. They, Oh man, it's art. Let them be them. And da, 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 da. And they love it. Right. They're just like oh. riding the jock of blood incantation doubtful but because part of the even if they say they, they love it and everything they're full of shit because one of the things that make blood incantation so so interesting and unique was the mix of those two things on an album yeah you're right so i don't know man well their next album better have none of that shit and just be straightforward death metal nothing else not even the cool intros. I'd love to see more. Of no that cool, cool intros, intro. no synthesizers, none of the ambient shit, just fucking straight front to back death metal. Boom. So this album, this no gaps, ambient, just, just solid. Exactly. Because then this one could be like the intro. And then the next album is the song. But you want to sit through like a, you want to sit through a 30 minute intro or whatever that one thing was. <laughs> Fuck, this is such a sweet and sour sort of like mixed bag review right, right here. Cause one, I just am disappointed. And the other one I love so much. So it's kind of strange. Well, you like what you like. I mean, you've even said that to me before when we were talking about some other ratings. I can't think of which, but you like what you like. Yeah, you like what you like. And someone's going to listen to this. You know, people that do listen consistently know, tend to know what you lean toward and what I lean toward. And maybe they know where they fall on that range. And I picture myself a teenager going to the store, really, really wanting that next anthra Anthrax album. I really want to hear that next Anthrax album. And it's like they put out two really killer albums already, you know, and then it's like, oh man, this next one's going to be badass. And then I put it in, I put that cassette in my tape, and then all of a sudden I hear, oh, for 40 fucking minutes. <laughs> I, would, I would smash my tape player. I'd be so livid and I'd never listen to that band again. That's just who I am, I guess, you know? But instead... The third album from Anthrax was fucking Among the Living, right? That's the mm -hmm. kind of the same thing for me. It's like, it, I got a little forewarning because you told me it was ambient. So I knew there was going to be something ambient, but I just, it wasn't that good ambient to me. But like I said, I'll listen to it a second and third time and make a real judgment. So 
Yeah, you could almost describe it more as like atmospheric. No, it is atmospheric, but it's yeah, but it's ambient. But if you tell someone ambient, you can expect ambient. Still more of that progressive change, if you will, where these things kind of repeat and over time there is a, a noticeable morph. Right. And I don't know that I mean that is there. If you, if you listen to one track and you skip to minute seven, yeah, it sounds different, but it's I could see what you're saying about it not being quite as engaging for you. I listened 30 something minutes into that 40 minute album. And I was just, it was like just this constant waiting for something to the point where I just got frustrated and just was like, "Ah, I'm done. So yeah, I I guess I need to give it another shot, I guess, but I'm going to do it when I'm laying down and trying to go to bed. Yeah. That seems the only time to listen to this. I can't imagine sitting in a theater watching this, you know? Well, and if there's a movie going on, it would totally fit in a movie. Think uh, some sci-fi movie or a horror movie. You know, the uh, a spaceship's coming across the horizon of a, a window as okay. it's panning across, you know? like Great. That sounds yeah. great. But what if you went to a, a little concert hall in Denver and you went to see Blood Incantation and there was only two of them there standing stock still on the, on the stage, in a, on a black stage with only some candles around them and one acoustic guitar way back in the corner, and you sat there for 40 minutes listening to this. I'd be fucking pissed. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, but you can turn it, you can turn it off. No, I mean, that's what they did. They, they had a show where people sat there expecting to see Blood and Condition, and they got oh, that. Oh, they did it? Really? Yeah, just to introduce that oh quote-unquote album of theirs. And I read that, and I'm like, oh, my God, I would have been, been fucking livid. I would have been demanding my money back, dude. So that's put it in that context. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's, well, it I would leave. I don't think I'd, I'd demand my money back. But. Oh, if you, if it doesn't say this is not blood incantation, this is not what you're expecting. This is ambient. This is soft. This drones on something, anything for a warning before you pay your money. I'd be fucking bent, dude. I'd yeah, be like, bent. But... Oh yeah. So yeah, that's what they did. So I don't, yeah, it's I'd almost, be pissed about that. Are they trying <laughs> to lose? fans that's no, they just want to be them you read that those couple <laughs> quotes there. they just want to be them and do their thing and dude uh, okay it's not a good do you. it's not a good business model but okay whatever <laughs> that's their choice right i mean again pissing into a jar and saying this is my art i present it to the world hey some okay. people think it's awesome some people don't you do you yeah but name it something different not what you expect like i said you don't call your plumber and then have some guy show up all fucking dressed in a surgeon's gown yeah, you hear that, Metallica? Scalping. You should have not released that goddamn Black album. Or Reload. Fuck that album. Yeah, actually, the Black album is pretty good now that I go back. But Load was, and Reload. I was going to say, I kind of like the Black album. Saint, A- Saint Anger sucks. Oh, so, well. that was horrible, yeah. dude. Saint Anger is, oh, God. But all joking aside, that Black album was disappointing because I, I had that same experience. Yeah, fuck yeah, the new Metallica. And yep. then it was not. Yeah, but. It was only two songs. I mean, the rest of the album is fairly good, but then the, those two mellow songs at the end of each side were just crap, in my opinion. It didn't make sense, and it was like it, it told me what was coming, and that's exactly what was coming. You know that they're going a different direction, and it sucked. But now, thirty um, some years later, I go back to it and I like it. <laughs> oh, like wherever they may roam and all those songs. Those are great songs. Sad, uh, oh, sad but yeah, true. Those yeah. are great. Sad songs. but true is a great song. But we're not reviewing Metallica. We were talking about Violence's EP, "Let the World Burn." Uh-huh. I, I have one more question though. How many times have you actually listened to Saint Anger? Uh well, I could say the first time and I threw it down in disgust. And then I've gone back to it since then. 
and I've realized I cannot handle the snare turned off. It's stupid. I can't handle the songs. Songs are garbage. But I can't get past the snare. Ping, 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 ping. That's no snare. Doesn't matter if you're doing no snare to shitty songs. Yeah, I, I made it one and a half times. I thought I'd give it a second shot um, just because it was like, maybe I'm hearing this wrong or in the wrong mood. Nah, it sucks. Yeah, and I got halfway through the second time and I was that was it. I'm like, I'm never listening to this again. It's horrible. You know what, Metallica? You do you. Oh, God. Stop with your fucking whatever, Dan. <laughs> well, hey, dude. Now, think about this. At some point, there will, we will cease to exist, right? At some point. It could be a solar flare. It could be a comet hit. It could be whatever. Oh, you mean the collective we? Okay. Yeah, we. You you and I will cease to exist, but we will also cease to exist as the collective we. And we talked about last week, I think it was, about the nuclear waste and how you would label those types of things as a warning to whoever might be coming by thousands of years later where it's still dangerous. Mm. If you think about it, a lot of things could happen before these episodes of Scatterbrain Podcast are lost forever. These live in a data center somewhere, many data centers in which they have backups and we have backups. So at some point, it, certain things could fail, certain things could die, certain things could erode and go away. There will be copies of these podcasts that we're doing now. What do you think people would not people, let's say it's much further down. Maybe it's people thousands of years ago and they came across this and were able to read or hear what we're talking about. What do you think people would think or whoever it is would think? Wouldn't they have to know English? Well, let's say they do. There's this, they've, they've discovered um, hard drives and books and things that they're able to discern uh, some of the language just like modern researchers have been able to decode and translate certain lost languages, right? What do you think they would think? Um, what if this is lost forever, though, man? I, I got to put all this onto cassette tapes, I just realized. Anyway, um, what do you think, though? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. They'd want to, they'd probably want to, they'd probably want to hear the albums we're reviewing and see if they're any good. But what if they don't know what albums are? Well, they know English. They should know what albums are by that point. But what if they don't? They're able to translate English books, but they don't know what an album is. I thought they're super intelligent. It's not necessarily the case. But they know we're not super intelligent, meaning the collective we. Oh, I was going to say, excuse me. Um, And we're, yeah, yeah, you know. Present company aside. Uh, I don't know. why. Where are you going with this? You know, I was thinking about it because I saw an article about the Ingenuity helicopter, the little helicopter that flies off the Mars rover, the Perseverance rover. Yeah. And it's on Mars. Uh, I saw an article recently where the Ingenuity helicopter had flown 20 successful missions. They're using it to map out these areas and take samples for, I guess, the eventual return to earth for analysis. Yeah. But at some point, right, this helicopter is not going to work anymore. These rovers all end up dying. Yeah. And it's just trash. There's going to be trash that's there. Uh-huh. 
And I saw the other day there, there was something called the, this quote unquote, it's used in quotes, this, the Mars flower, which is this little rock formation that looks sort of like a flower that's kind of, but it's made out of stone, I guess, or sand or what. I don't, I don't. I just saw a picture of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's these things that are there, you know? Uh-huh. And I mean, we've, we today in current time, we, people are finding things all the time. I mean, you texted me about, we were talking about topics for today about something that was called the what again? Antikythera mechanism. Yeah. When you sent that to me, I had no idea what it was and I had to read about it. It was pretty interesting. And I was completely dumbfounded that that thing existed that far back. So made me think about the result of what we are doing and what the eventual remains will be that persevere past a certain point that last, I should say that past a certain point of time when we're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some ancient technology, ancient technology and a little bit of uh, what I want to do as well, which is um, ancient inventions and things that have been around a lot longer than people think they've been around. And oh, and there's another thing in there too. Coinciding inventions by different people who aren't uh, who aren't really a part of each other or know of each other, and at the same time in history, things have been invented at the same time, which is fucking weird, dude. It happens over and over, and it's unexplainable. And we'll be right back. Um, so, did you did you research the Antikythera mechanism? I'm really surprised you'd never heard of that. So I had read about it. Oh, okay. Just kind of after the fact. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I had had never heard about it. Yeah. I'd never heard about it until you met, you mentioned it and I was really surprised, but yet not, you know, it seems like the people of old really were in tune with the moon and the cycle of things. And, but that's pretty important, right? It's significant enough that it affects the energy here on earth, right? The the, the tides and the ebb and flow of all this stuff, right? It's crazy. But that, I mean, that, 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 that's not even the amazing part, though, because people have been like watching the seasons for, you know, for crops and things like that forever. So they've been paying attention to that forever anyway. What's amazing about this is the, the like, the Swiss precision of the gears that were put into this thing to make it even move, to make it work. It's, it's a fucking computer. It's an analog computer. And it was built like, 300 bc they don't i don't think they even really know for yeah, i think BC. they estimated about 100 bc that's insane dude and, and when they did like the full the full like not just x-rays but they like dealt like basically an mri on the thing and they pulled it apart how many gears there were how it was made how it was wound all this kind of stuff and on the inside is an inscription of the the manual A user manual yeah user dude. manual yeah that's insane. So someone actually was able to use that user manual and to know how it worked and what it was used for, which is awesome. Yeah, man. So for those that don't know, the Antikythera, it's spelled A-N-T-I-K-Y-T-H-E-R-A, Antikythera mechanism. It's a Greek, a Greek object, right? Comprised of gears and uh, different mechanisms to track uh, the seasons, uh, eclipses, and they used it to based the timing of the Olympic games off of, right? That's right. Yeah. And it was just, it looked basically like a clock with, you know, the, the, the gears or like the face, you know, like a round face, but it had a little dial on the front, like a little sphere on the front that would spin as it, as it wound around and it would show the phases of the moon as it, as it was winding. Yeah. And like you said, it would show like the alignment of the planets, 
when there was going to be an eclipse, all kinds of celestial events. And it, it's fucking amazing, dude. And it wasn't that big. No, and the complexity. Yeah, the complexity is just nuts. And like even Swiss, Swiss watchmakers even have looked at it and are like confused. Like, how could they do this back then? Because just, just the mechanics of it or what I find amazing, just the fact that they had they had this mechanism that that they could wind and it did all this shit analog you know it's really Im- impressive yeah. i wonder yeah. if they, so they now, yeah did they use it for sh- i think they must have used it for like sailing or something or i don't even know what they, they said they used it for the timing of the olympic ancient olympic games well, well that was one of the things that yeah that was one of the things that it was used for but yeah so it was discovered by a captain dimitrios contos oh speaking of machine head chris contos used to be the drummer for machine head yeah it's the simulation and uh, so i guess him and a crew of, of divers discovered this thing in a shipwreck right in ni- 1900 yeah and i guess it was a wreckage of a cargo sh- roman cargo ship found 100 feet about 150 feet deep it on was the Greek island it was antikythera and it was laden with all kinds of treasures from Rome, I believe. Yeah, Just all Ju- kinds jewels of and gold coins, statues. And yep. Yeah. yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yep. And so it wasn't though until much later, right? That I mean, even it was decades later, maybe the fifties. Uh, yeah. What happened in the fifties? Well, in the fifties, they it just kind of sat, you know, forgotten for a while, and then um, I forgot the guy's name, but uh, he he started researching it, and they did X-rays of it, and he actually died in the eighties without finally finding out exactly what it was used for, how it worked, but he, the way he, the way he described it and, and what it did, what he thought it did and the way it worked, he, it actually turned out he was right. He just died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his name yeah. was, was Derek DeSala Price, Derek yeah. Day DeSala Price. Yeah. And he died in 83, but he, he like mapped it out and drew it all out with the correct number of gears and everything to make it work like conceptually. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. And he was right. But they didn't find that out until later on, right? Uh, back in like the 70s. I think it was the 70s. Well, I think they didn't really, I don't think they really, really were able to, um, I think it was 2005 or so, where they a uh, team went to um, went to Greece where, where the mechanism was, was, was kept. And uh, they did like, um, what, what do you call it when you do the x-rays? Not an MRI, but where it just like delved right into the thing and they could see the exact workings of it. And that's how they found the... Um, that's how they found the user. gamma ray images. That's it. X-rays yep. and gamma ray images. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, huh? Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. You see this and it's like, how the hell did these people figure it out? How did they figure it out? How did they, well, how did they make the gears and the mechanism itself in order to do what they were thinking in order to project it forward like that? Well, that's, that's the thing, man. Crazy. That I, I don't think the history that we have is correct. We keep finding earlier and earlier evidence of humans, you know, oh, you know, I re- recall being in college and, oh, you know, Homo sapiens, sapiens as a species were around for 150,000 years. Oh, we discovered this. Now it's 200,000 years. Now we're at like 350 something, or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I mean, if you assume that we're the same species, well, I mean, we have the same brain. And if given enough time, we're going to, it's not like. I, I don't think anyways, that it was some one event that happened, you know, 10,000 years ago or something that was all of a sudden the aliens. And now we've got pyramids and everything else. Like, I think, I think society, 
has risen and fallen many times to the point where they could have had these technologies that were like, not like ours in terms of similarity, but as advanced or more advanced, right? Or I mean, more it could advanced. be, we've talked about it, like they could have been people like that humans on earth came from Mars billions of years ago when Mars was habitable, you know, I mean, who knows when you talk about these large amounts of time. Look, look at the, look at the pictures on Mars that NASA has made with an objective eye and tell me there's not artifacts all over that fucking planet, dude. They're everywhere. Seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes. No, they're everywhere, dude. It looks like, it looks like a cityscape, like from above, it looks like a the mapped out cityscape that looks like there's fallen over statuettes. It's everywhere, dude. It even looks like, like, like really old dilapidated buildings that have fallen down. It looks like structures, like pillars, you know, and rocks that are like carved in certain ways. It's like, oh, that's just a rock, right? It's like, yeah, but it's all over the fucking planet. So where did that come from? Just like maybe there was life that rose and fall over and over on Mars, just like Earth. Yep. And eventually something happened to where the atmosphere was peeling off. Stripped away. Yep. Yeah. Now I've also, I guess to kind of counter that idea is I have read recently, I don't have it in front of me, but I've read some things that there are recent discoveries that thought perhaps that it was just a much shorter time there on Mars, that it would have been habitable and that explained why nothing's really, so there's, who knows that the, the information's spotty, but from where I'm sitting here in front of my computer, there's all kinds of great, great possibilities and exciting possibilities. Well, there's supposedly so much less time on Mars that it would have been like Earth, that there's no way that any sort of intelligent life, you know, could have like arisen from evolution there, which just wasn't enough time. But what if that doesn't matter? What if it started here and went to there? What if it was like a co, like a co-society or like an interchangeable society at one point? Of, of some being that wasn't even human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they came from a different planet before and they just happened to Mars at that exact time was good for them. And that's where they landed. And then eventually it didn't. And Yeah. Or, or maybe even it started to get a little iffy there. So they skipped back over to Earth and who knows? Yeah. 4.5 billion years is a long fucking time. It just, yep. it's so much time. And, and if you look at it, like, if you look at it like a pallet of money, right? If you look at it like a million dollars will fit nicely into like a, a satchel or like a backpack, right? And then you go to like a billion dollars, right? A billion dollars is like pallets, pallets upon pallets upon pallets, more than that million dollars. Does it make sense? Well, exponential, exponential growth. Yeah, I was talking about, about data volumes uh, with my oldest, specifically about that ex- exponential type of growth just the other night. Yeah, no, when you... Sometimes ex- exponential growth is hard to conceptualize, especially when the the scale of them is so big, right? You can you can envision right. ten to a hundred or a hundred to a thousand. That's very easy too. But when you're talking about you know a million to a billion or a billion to a trillion or whatever, that that's exponentially larger. Yeah, like to me, four point five million years is like, geez, that's a long time. But four point five billion years. Is not just you know a little bit longer. It's it's crazy long time. So yeah, no, because dinosaurs knows? weren't e- according to the current understanding, the dinosaurs weren't even around right a billion years ago. We're talking hundreds of millions, which is orders of magnitude smaller than a billion. Right. And sixty-five million years ago, there were still dinosaurs roaming on the planet we live on. So that's not even you know, 65 million compared to 4.5 billion is like nothing. Yeah. So yeah, weird. 
where did the where did the dinosaurs come from? There's another weird question. Anyway, yeah, those could have been the pets. I was gonna say, were they the pets <laughs> of the uh, the Nephilim, the giant of the giants? Yeah, the Nephilim. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. But no. it's a, it's a good it's a good thought though, and um, I swear there's structures on Mars. That's a whole another another thought though. But that Antikythera mechanism, um, they think there might have been more than one though, and we just got lucky that we even found that one. Well, any of it is amazing that that even if there were thousands of them or hundreds of them, finding one in a shipwreck that happens to be the only one left that anyone's found is amazing in and of itself. It doesn't have to be necessarily these huge, a one of a kind thing, right? I mean, it could be the case that there's a, a watch of some Rolex somewhere. You know, there's thousands of Rolex watches out in the world and probably millions of, of mechanical watches out there that have been made. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's say thousands of years or some large amount of time goes by and this one watch is found doesn't necessarily mean it was a one of a kind right i mean if if this technology was sufficiently available i mean who knows we don't know right it could have been that all the ships had one could be it's like they might have a compass or they might have any other piece of that thing was made of metal and look how much it eroded in only a little over two thousand years yeah that, that's why i ask you know like what do you think would be left from here mount rushmore I don't know, dude. They have to fix that. They're fixing that all the time. Yeah, but even if there's overgrowth on it, there'd still be some sort of like, even with weathering and everything, there'll still be something of that a million years from now. You know, it might be. You think so? You think so? It's it's granite, dude. Yeah, I do. It's just like Marco Wasi, all those like sculptures on top of that mountain in Peru, you know, those are probably millions of years old. And that's why they look all smoothed over. And why, and why. Those are probably buried though. I mean, I've seen a lot of. And why, and that's why critics say that it's all natural formations because it looks all smoothed over, but you look at it and there's like animals everywhere. So it's like, uh, it's probably carvings that are millions of years old. That lasted. Nothing else did though. You know, the water level would have been higher than two. So who knows? That could have been even like almost at sea level. You just don't know. It's just too old. Well, that's that's just it. And so it's hard to say, right? We can come up with all these great ideas, but you don't necessarily know. But it's just mind-blowing. Or we'll ever know. Just have You just have to work on theories until you get some sort of proof, you know? Just like, um, well, how would you ever get proof? Just like with the, uh, oh, I forgot last time. It's called the K2 boundary. that The line that goes all across Earth that shows... You know, it shows all the soot and all the debris and everything from when the dinosaurs went extinct that shows that it was like a massive, a massive like event, an extinction event. Uh-huh. And, then they, and then they find that crater in the, in, the, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico and all the debris there, everything matches up chemically, you know, so they go, oh, well, two plus two plus two equals six. That's when the dinosaurs, that's what happened. Something smacked into earth, created firestorms, created, you know some sort of like extinction event where it blotted out the sun forever. And then food ran out and the dinosaurs, all the ones that survived the initial impact all dropped dead from starvation. And there you go. The only things that lived are the things, you know, little rats and things that lived underground or um, some of the ocean, you know, aquatic animals like crocodiles and sharks, Mm -hmm. you know, and some birds, but that's it. We're talking about things that degrade over time. Right. And we've seen, they look at the, the pyramids or the Sphinx and, some of the discoveries or theories are around erosion patterns and different things like that. But I read about this thing called the non-rusting iron pillar of Delhi. Oh, you heard about that? Oh yeah. I know about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
How do I know about that? I don't fucking know. Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask you. I thought I was creative with that one. <laughs> no, that's pretty good because you know it's only been recently that I read about that. But yeah, uh, tell me what you read because it's, that one's in, that's fucking interesting, dude. So in Delhi, India, there is this iron iron pillar that's over a thousand years old, apparently, and it's never rusted. Right. I thought it was older. So, well, uh, it hence over one thousand years old. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. But. It wasn't until much later in the 1900s in the invention of stainless steel that people could prevent rusting. Okay. And it's got ancient writing, which apparently is still preserved on there because it's not rusting. It's not oxidizing. I just think it's interesting that if it's that old and people are able, were able to build something like that. Have they taken a sample and analyzed it? Well, so what I read was after some analysis, scientists found the pillar had undergone a three-phase process, which created a thin protective layer over the, the pillar. Oh. So the surface layer quickly oxidizes, but, but the iron underneath doesn't rust. What, like a, what? I guess like, a... like this was a technique that they no longer know how to do. Oh, kind of like Damascus steel or something. So wait, so there's a coating over the iron? Well, some treatment, yeah. That, that's what it said, that there was some treatment on it as of whatever processes. They, they, they don't know how it's done anymore. They don't know. They were just able to, I guess, analyze it and realize that there was something over this iron rod. Huh. So it's like actual da- Damascus steel. They don't know how they made that stuff. I, I said that to Chuck, and Chuck goes, they still make Damascus steel. You can order Damascus steel sword and all this stuff, but that's not actual Damascus steel it doesn't exist anymore. No one knows how they made it. Greek fire is another thing. Yeah, that was a very interesting one. Although if you think about it, I mean, it's, there's things that you get wet and of course they, they ignite and are crazy. Like, is it magnesium? Magnesium? It's basically, you get it wet. It's basically napalm, but not quite napalm. Yeah, it's something that would burn in the ocean and just burn up the, the, the enemy's ships and Made them and they don't up. know how to make it now. No, they don't know how to make it. They don't know what the uh, recipe was. Yeah. They would spray it on yeah. the enemy boats. Oh, that sucks, lots, man. Lots of flame, flame balls at it. Oh, God. Oh, and you can't get it sticky. can't get it off of you. And it just, and you yeah. can't put it out. Can't put but it I out. Wonder though, I wonder, though, would something like a, a baking So I mean, I would presume that you could put a, a modern fire extinguisher over it that saps the ability for it to be you know get oxygen i don't think they had those back then <laughs> no i'm just saying i think yeah. now right maybe but it's interesting that that's another thing that's lost yeah you can't even recreate it though so um you would never know whether that works or not but you know even water nothing they could do would put it out and then, yeah made them indestructible kind of yeah it's crazy how about the baghdad battery that's another one i saw so tell me about that one that's hard to explain dude because you have like a cylinder and then you have a, an iron rod and then you fill it with some sort of like reactive, you know, like vinegar or something, something reactive, like vinegar or even like grape juice, I guess would work. Something that was acidic, right? You put the rod back in and it's got the, it's got the thing coming out the top with the cap, right? And then you can like generate electricity off of the top. Am I oversimplifying it? Uh, I mean, it's basically like when you create, like it's analogous to like when you, We'd make a battery in school as a kid and you put pennies in and you put vinegar and you do this other stuff and you make, you get some electrical charge. I mean, I think. Or a potato clock. (laughs) Yeah. 
So yeah. I think the idea there, it's not that that one isn't necessarily understood. It's not like no, some no, lost technique. It's just that this What did they use it for? Well, and it predates by right. quite a bit, quite by thousands bit. of years. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And so it's like, what exactly did they use that for? It's obviously some sort of battery. Yeah. And maybe it was to power, to charge their cell phones. <laughs> Well, they um, they claim that they think it was for um, electroplating jewelry, right? But even if that's all it was for, quote, all it was for, that's still pretty impressive. Sure. And so, again, it's just like this technology. It makes you wonder. So the Greek fire, how to treat this iron pillar, the use of this battery that predates, you know, by modern batteries by thousands of years. Like, it makes you wonder what else has been lost. You know what I mean? And also, why didn't they? Why didn't they move that forward? Why didn't they think that battery thing forward into other applications? You know what I mean? That's the curious part. Kind of like the the I think it's the the Helios engine, or or it was a little steam toy that was invented that spun. So you, you'd heat it up, and then the steam would come out the nozzle on the top, and it was a ball, and it would just spin and spin and spin. It was the first steam engine, but it was never recognized as being a steam engine, and so it was never thought forward into applying it. To, to for use it was just like a novelty like a toy at parties as far as they could tell well what did they they didn't have steam engines till the 1800s well we don't know i that mean one thousands of, the, of years ago yeah but think about this okay uh this is this came to mind when i was looking up different things for this episode and talking to my oldest about this but you look at something like the pyramids right and people always for me until you posed the point, the, the idea that, that you had heard, people think, oh, you know, the pyramids, they were made and they moved these huge rocks thousands of miles away. Nah. And then you, you, you brought up like, why don't they just pulverize it and then make bricks when they get there? It's and so obvious. It's not so hard. And also, it's, and also it's an electrical, it's a generator is what it is. It's not a tomb. It's not a tomb. Oh, yeah. The Pyramid of Giza. <laughs> That's not a tomb. No. That's an, that's an electrical power plant. Yeah, that's a whole other... I think that's all but proven. It's all but proven. Because of the resonance. I know you're talking about that. We were talking about the resonance of it or something like that. I got to do is read the books by Chris, uh, Chris Dunning, I think. Yeah, but no, that's all but proven. It, it just, it all lines up and it makes sense. It's like, what else would it be for if it's not a tomb? Well, it is a tomb. No, it's not. There's no inscriptions. Nobody's ever been found in there. And there's not even been any sort of chemical remnants of any sort of body that was left in there it's not a tomb just throw that right right out so that's that's like the biggest most badass ancient invention there is really could be <laughs> no again it just it just brings this all this stuff brings me back to what else was lost you know yeah what else has been lost now one thing i read was that um ancient romans used to have a concrete formulation that was much better than what we have now and even able to stand submersion mm -hmm. in the sea for thousands of years yeah greeks had it greeks had it why why can't the egyptians have had it right that that's i guess kind of where i was going with that mm -hmm. so I, I guess i just never thought about that until you brought it up however long back because one it's because one culture is white and the other one's brown no i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> So you, when we talked about this initially, you mentioned a couple of other really interesting ones that I was like fax machines or something like that. There was something not quite so ancient, but parallel. 
Oh, invented. oh no, the the fax machine was one. It's not ancient, but it's uh, it's something that was invented. Like people think fax machines fax machines are fairly recent, right? As far as we use them, or don't we really use them now? But when was the first fax machine? You're an IT guy. First fax machine was probably in what the 80s I, or something. I would have guessed like the seven 60s or 70s, maybe even earlier because they were doing doing things over the analog phone lines, anyways. Um, right. But I would have right. said 50s, maybe. If right. I had to guess. Yeah, well, do you know, you know when it was actually invented, right? No, I don't. Oh, how how about I'm going to get back to that? But how about the Xerox, like a copy machine? When was that actually invented? Like a facsimile type of thing. Yeah, um, you know, I you... would envision that was hundreds of years ago. I mean, because you think about it, that's sort of how the printing press kind of worked, right? They would make. Oh, if you're going to talk about printing presses, that's that's a little bit different than an actual like like taking a picture and then creating an image off a piece of paper, you know? So not creating a plate or something like that. No, no, but actually like taking a, like a photographic image of something and then making copies of it over and over and over. I would have have said probably like the seventies, maybe Um, you got the fax machine, copy machine. Um, What else? Like, uh, like uh, moving pictures. Everyone thinks that Thomas Edison invented the moving pictures, right? I mean, he, he, for all intents and purposes um, did invent, movies moving pictures right but that was actually invented by a frenchman like years and years before that and he was subsequently he kind of vanished his everything vanished with him and it kind of gets linked back to good old uh, edison up to his tricks and trying to make sure that he was the one who quote unquote invented moving pictures you know how that whole war with tesla about you know ac and dc yeah yeah parallel edison was a little bit of a nefarious dude dude i don't know that guy was kind of a dickhead but um, yeah, there's all kinds of inventions that have been around a lot longer than we think they have, just like the Baghdad battery or, or the, uh, the, the steam engine from Helios thousands of years ago, right? Fax machine was invented in 1843. Isn't wow, that, crazy? that is Ale- crazy. By Alexander Bain. Now, granted, it wasn't in office buildings everywhere where everyone was faxing each other, but it was still a fax machine where you take data from one end and it gets transmitted electrically to another end and then gets printed out you know what you have on this end gets printed out on the other end that actually was invented in 1843 um electric printing telegraph is what it was called and it was the world's first faxing machine uh fax faxing has transformed many times obviously and it is widely used today probably mostly in north korea uh at the beginning of the 20th century the at&t corporation advanced fax technology by sending photos via wire transmission but it wasn't until it wasn't until the 1960s when that started to kind of get its foothold. In the 1980s is when everyone used faxes, mm-hmm. right? In mm-hmm. the 90s, I remember using fax machines in the early 90s when I first started. Um, you know, as a vet tech, that's the only way hospitals communicated with uh, between each other. And now that's all but gone. I mean, never use them now. Do you ever use a fax machine anymore? No. Yeah, that's all. That's gone. Everyone's got a phone now, right? Yeah, you scan it with your phone and send it where you need to go. Easy. Um, cell phones actually invented in the 1600s. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Well, we talked about that early, early on. We talked about the first cellular phones. That was on the same episode, I believe, as Louis Matar and his fabulous car, wasn't it? I believe you're right. That's right. Because he had a phone in that fucking car, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That's right. But he could only use it when he could only use it when there was certain like points where there was an operator or something yeah there was a certain network of towers and you had to sort of calculate it wasn't 
seamless. It was you had to figure, okay, Ian's been driving for 20 minutes. He's going to be over by this tower. Let me call up that that operator at that tower and have them patch me in essentially. Right. That's that's nuts. The fact he put that in that car, though, is just still so crazy, dude. Hey, it's awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, so fax machines, um, and you, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, right? Um, I, that's what they tell us. Well, did you know there was another guy who invented the telephone on the same day? And he, no. and Alexander Graham Bell just beat him to the patent office, like, by minutes? Wow. No, I did not know that. And, um, yeah, actually, Alexander Graham Bell entered, yeah, let's see, it was a, well, oh, Morse, actually, Samuel Morse, too. 1843, the same year, had made nearly instantaneous uh, invention as the fax machine. Isn't it trippy, dude? That is that is a trip. That is very trippy. Now, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone uh, in 1876, March 7th, 1876. He was only 29 years old, dude. And uh, he invented the telephone. He was Scottish-born. Uh, Bell worked in London with his father and developed a visible speech, a written system used to, to teach speaking to the deaf people, to deaf people. In the 1870s, he moved to Boston uh, where the younger Bell found work as a teacher. He later married one of the students, Mabel Hubbard. Now, Bell became very interested uh, in the possibility of transmitting speech over wire. Uh, in 1843, Samuel B. Morse invention of the telegraph in 1843 had made nearly instantaneous communication possible between two distant points. Um, the drawback, obviously, is that it still required hand delivery of messages using Morse code, you know, and Bell wanted to improve this by creating harmonic telegraph. And it was a device that combined aspects of telegraph and a record player to allow individuals to speak to each other from a distance. Now, both Alexander Graham Bell and Elijah Gray submitted independent patent applications concerning telephones to the patent office in Washington on February 14th, 1876 on the same day, dude. Isn't that a trip? Yeah, so that was invented on the same day. Um, it was multiple times in history where things were invented on the same day, apparently. And that was like the big one. Anyway, we are getting pretty close to wrapping it up here, right? Yeah, I think this is all a roundabout way of saying we're some pretty creative monkeys. Pretty creative and it's amazing monkeys. that there is such a large scale of time and, and place, time and space even where you can have these rises and falls and it's just that the vastness that two independent people working secretively i'm sure they weren't broadcasting it to the world Mm -mm. in the case of the telephone or any of those things on the same day well kind of like radio radio tesla invented radio and then marconi was uh was researching his own you know his own transmission of radio about the same time Tesla actually is the inventor of radio, though. That is widely acknowledged now. But um, yeah, that's another one. Radio is another one. Well, good idea is a good idea. I suppose. But the fact that two people who aren't really connected at the same time in history invent the same thing. Maybe it's word of mouth. Everyone's talking about some invention that needs to be made. And that gets into like that worms its way in people's minds. Then a couple of people start really working on it. I don't know. But um, it's the same thing with flight. Uh, the Wright brothers weren't the only ones at the same time who invented flight. And in fact, there's another guy who, uh, who is uh, said to have flown a couple years before the Wright brothers. But the difference is the Wright brothers have a photograph of them taking flight and the other guy did not, right? 
So that's the time you could attribute it because they were able to specifically pinpoint it with proof. So it, that's that's right. What it and, is, well, right? And, and there was a couple other witnesses in proof. And this guy had one witness. He didn't have a photograph of it. Yeah, they actually rebuilt that. The other guy's uh, plane, they actually rebuilt it, I believe, in the 1990s and flew it, thinking it does not look like it could fly. It looks like a box kite. And um, the guy went down the runway and that fucking thing flew. And I was like, whoa, that's a trip. So it at least proves that his, his design worked. But um, Wright Brothers got the credit for it. Alexander Graham Bell got the credit for it. Now, Marconi initially got the credit for radio, but he got that overturned in the 1940s right after Tesla died. And the United States Congress reversed that and said that the patent actually goes to Tesla and he is the actual inventor of radio transmission. So, or Tesla, you see those pictures of him in his late life and it's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. Living out of the New York hotel and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty sad, but I think it's amazing to talk about this stuff. And I just, again, I go back to what else has been lost, not only structurally speaking in terms of buildings or facilities or artifacts of art or whatever, but knowledge, you know? Yeah. There's got to be one we're missing. I know there's one we're missing. We got the Antikythera mechanism. We got we got Greek fire. We got oh, there's all kinds. Steam I... We got the steam engine, Baghdad battery. What else is there? I know there's one more. No idea. Another episode. Another episode. And you know what that's going to be? The library at Alexandria that was burned to the ground with all that knowledge gone. I know that's an interesting one. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing that one. Because we'd be thousands of years ahead of where we are now if that hadn't all burned to the ground. Thanks, Julius Caesar, you jerk. All right, we'll see you next week. Fuck Julius Caesar. (laughs) 